Hello, and welcome to For the Journey, a podcast offering formation and inspiration to Christians longing for more of God in their lives and in the world. For the Journey is presented by Coracle, a ministry committed to inspiring and enabling people to be the presence of God in the brokenness of the world through spiritual formation for kingdom action. We want to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God so that you can go further into the world with God's loving, healing, redeeming power. For the Journey is a space where each week we hope to help you encounter God and live a more integrated life of faith in the world by offering a regular rhythm of reflections, guided spiritual practices, thoughtful conversations, and more. This week, we share a Space for God Bible reflection from Steve Park, the founder and executive director of Little Lights DC. Steve guides us through the arc of scripture related to God's coming kingdom of justice and mutual flourishing. He offers us a rousing invitation to join God's special work of caring for the oppressed and marginalized. You can learn more about Steve and the fantastic work of Little Lights in the show notes. Here's Steve. Good to be with you all, and thanks for allowing me to share. Yeah, I've been doing Little Lights for uh, over 25 years, serving under-resourced, uh, commu- uh, an under-resourced community in D.C. For, for a long time, and working with public housing residents in particular, um, and really trying to share the love of Christ sort of day in and day out uh, with children, youth, and families uh, who are really struggling in D.C. And so, uh, you know, I became a Christian Later in life, I was a very devout atheist in high school and college, had a pretty radical conversion to Christianity after college. And what really attracted me to Christianity more than the other religions and what convicted me that Christianity was the right way was reading about the life of Jesus and just how radically compassionate Jesus was, that Jesus loved The people on the margins loved those who were rejected by society uh, with a radical, radical love and a sacrificial love, one that ultimately uh, led Jesus to die on the cross for all humanity, but uh, including those on the margins. And so that really convicted me that Jesus was the person that I needed to follow and really differentiated for me uh, Christianity from the other, other major religions. And I think when we, if we lose that distinctive part of Christianity, this radical compassion for people, uh, we sort of lose Christianity because that, to me, that's what makes Christianity distinctive as a new way of life uh, that really sacrificially loves our neighbor as ourselves. And I, lo- and I love, I'm very passionate about the gospel. I think the gospel changed my life and the gospel is, the most powerful, most life-changing, really force uh, in the world. And uh, so, you know, Little Lights is a gospel-centered ministry. But I wanted to pose the question, what is the gospel? You could put this in the chat. Um, What is the gospel? If you want to add anything to the chat, feel free to do that. And, you know, t- in today's society, the word gospel is almost an exclusively Christian word, right? We use it 
almost exclusively in a Christian context, whether it's sharing the gospel with somebody, whether it's going to a gospel rally, reading the four gospels, uh, listening to gospel music, it's almost always exclusively a Christian word. Let's, lo let's look at the word, the meaning of the word gospel. The Greek word is euangelion, uh, which means good news or good message. And back in that time, it was used by the Greeks in secular society to announce the birth of a king or a king's victory in battle. So the good news, as people would have heard it back in Jesus' time, was not about going to heaven, but was some good news about the king. So people would have immediately thought about what's what good thing is happening with the king if there was uh, a gospel message. So we hear it differently now because of just sort of the, our history and the Christianization. But back then, it, people would have immediately thought about the king. And here is Jesus using uh, the word gospel in Mark 1.15. It says, at last the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Turn from your sins and believe this good news. Believe this gospel. So here Jesus is, one, not saying, here's the gospel. Here's how you go to heaven after you die. That that was not his emphasis. He's, he's talking about the kingdom of God coming to us. And turn from your sins and believe this gospel. So this kingdom of God is coming to us. And Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying the time has come. So what is a kingdom? Right? So think about that. What is a kingdom? And what is this kingdom of God that's coming toward us and to us? And what does a kingdom have? A, king, a kingdom has a king, right? Uh, a kingdom has probably usually some land. A kingdom has laws and government, right? It has a culture. It has values. It's really a society. Kingdom is a society that's ruled by a king. And saying there's a new kind of society, this kingdom of God, the society of God that's coming to us. So it's social. It's a community. It's a society that's coming to us, and it's a heavenly society. It's the kingdom of God. And then Jesus goes on uh, in Luke chapter 4 and quoting Isaiah the prophet. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has appointed me to preach good news, preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Again, Jesus is quoting Isaiah saying, God has appointed him to preach good news to, especially to the poor. There's something about the gospel that is specifically good news to the poor. And instead, again, Jesus doesn't give us a prescription of here's how you go to heaven after you die. Believe in me and you'll, you'll have eternal life. This is not how he presents the gospel here. He gives a vision really about what this new society will look like, what will happen when uh, God truly rules. One is this proclaim that the captives will be released, people who are incarcerated or uh, unjustly incarcerated will be released, 
The blind will see that physical ailments will be healed and everyone will have health, physical health. And I think this is probably the most interesting part of this verse. It says that the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors. There's something about the gospel that Jesus is preaching, that the, and he's giving good news to those who are oppressed and, and are downtrodden. But many of us may not even really understand what the word oppression actually means. We may not have gotten any teaching on what, what, is, what does it mean to be oppressed? This is a, a, I like this, this uh, definition from the social work dictionary defines oppression as the social act of placing severe restrictions on an individual group or institution. Typically a government or political organization that is in power places these restrictions formally or covertly on oppressed groups so that they may be exploited and less able to compete with other social groups. The oppressed individual or group is devalued, exploited, and deprived of privileges by the individual or group which has more power. And so we have to understand that the gospel is also directed at those who are downtrodden and oppressed, and that God wants liberation and freedom for those who are oppressed. And we know that throughout the world, People who gain power, governments who gain power, uh, tend to oppress people, exploit people. And we see this all throughout the world. And, but we also have to know that God hates this. God hates when people abuse and misuse their power. And, you know, I teach, one of the things I do at Little Lights now is teach a class called Race Literacy 101. It's a 12-week class for, for people who take the class to better understand the issue of race. And we really, one thing I realized, we really can't understand our current American society unless we understand the history around race, how it, racial ideology developed, uh, why it developed, and how it was used to oppress, both uh, formally and, and covertly. Um, because God cares about justice. And if we want unity in the body of Christ, which is something that God desires and which is what will reflect the kingdom of God, we have to confront the issue of racial oppression in our nation. Otherwise, we will never be able to heal. We will never be able to truly experience the unity that God wants us to experience uh, within the body of Christ or, or in society. So this is from Tim Keller's uh, book, City Church. He says, the gospel has three basic elements. Jesus is the Messiah, which is the Jewish word for king. Christ is the Latin word for king and king and the son of God. So that's one element of the gospel. Jesus overcame sin and death through the cross and resurrection is the second element of the gospel. And this is, if you're an evangelical, Number two is almost like the exclusive focus of the gospel, that Jesus died for our sins uh, through the cross and resurrection. And the third element is Jesus ushers in a new kingdom and new creation. But to understand that, really understand the gospel, we need to take all three of these elements together to really have the whole gospel. And if you miss out on number three as like, 
crucial and central to the gospel, chances are you're really going to struggle with finding a purpose in your life. Because unless you're, you understand that you don't, you're not only saved, but you are called to participate in ushering in this new kind of society and a new creation, you're not going to sort of know what you're supposed to be doing uh, once you get saved, so to speak. Um, that the third element is a crucial element of the gospel, that we're supposed to participate as citizens of this new kingdom and participate in redeeming and healing creation. And Matthew 6, puts it this way, but seek first his kingdom, again, here's the word kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So again, this is a promise in the gospels and in Matthew. It says, put first this kingdom, this heavenly society, we're supposed to put it above everything else in life. You know, this, this new society and the righteousness associated with new society, you know, values like justice and compassion and humility. We're supposed to put that above everything else in life. And then things will go, God will provide if you prioritize this new society, this new kingdom. But if we don't have a vision for what this new society is, and we don't really understand it, how do we put it first? What does it even mean to put the, uh, the kingdom first? And we will lack that sense of purpose if we don't have a vision of what kind of society God is trying to create within the church, within the body of Christ. And of course, I'm not talking about a single congregation. I'm talking about the full international multiracial body of Christ. If we don't understand what kind of a society that God is creating, uh, how will we put the kingdom first? And I like uh, how Martin Luther King Jr. put it, only a dry as dust religion prompts a minister to extol the glories of heaven while ignoring the social conditions that cause men an earthly hell. So again, the importance of putting to practice those kingdom values and principles, trying to usher in this new creation on earth rather than just telling people to wait for heaven. I'm going to quote Dr. King again because I just believe he's such a prophet to, to the world and even in our day that he's such a prophet uh, that we need to listen to and pay attention to. It says the church must be reminded that it's not the master or the servant of the state, but rather the conscience of the state. It must be the guide and the critic of the state and never its tool. If the church does not recapture its prophetic zeal, it will become an irrelevant social club without moral or spiritual authority. And I believe that that's where the church is right now as a whole, in large part. We do not have the moral or spiritual authority in our society because we really don't have the vision for what a just and a compassionate society should look like. And if and that kind of uh, heavenly society is not reflected in the body of Christ. And so because we're not setting the example of racial unity, of compassion, of humility, we've lost 
that moral or spiritual authority in our society. And we can complain about that all day long, but we also have to take responsibility for how the church has lost its moral authority. And I love this verse from Micah chapter six, uh, uh, verse eight. And this verse really encapsulates in one verse what a disciple in this or what a citizen in this heavenly kingdom is supposed to live like, not just believe, like not just have good sort of doctrine about what I believe, but how, what kind of lifestyle are we supposed to be showing to the world that reflects uh, what citizenship in this heavenly kingdom is like? He says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? So this is not just a suggestion from God of how we're supposed to live, but what does the Lord require of us? And it's to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That this is the lifestyle. And I sort of see it as like three legs on a stool, justice, mercy, and humility are, should be the characteristics of a disciple who is living out uh, their calling in this heavenly kingdom. Justice, mercy, humility, all, all three. And let's look at the word justice because it's probably the most uh, controversial and maybe difficult to understand in the, in the verse. This is Tim Keller again. Says God loves and defends those with the least economic and social power, and so should we. That is what it means to do justice. That's how Tim Keller sees it. Think about the people with the least economic and social power in our society. And we should love and defend those with, with the least economic and social power. It's really protecting the vulnerable is what it means to do justice. Another theologian, Bruce Waltke, puts it this way in this, in the word mishpat. He says the basic meaning of this word mishpat, which we see in Micah, is to establish the heavenly norm or pattern on earth, right? Again, you see the, the, the heavenly society and trying to establish the heavenly norm or pattern on earth. Normally this concept is applied to society, i.e. the bringing of society into the right order of or, or arrangement. It's the proper use of power so that you see harmony and shalom within a society or within uh, a group of people, right? It's a good use of power, it's good leadership, good stewardship of power and the sharing of power. To have this heavenly norm, that is what it means to do justice. So how can we, and sometimes that means holding leaders accountable to steward power or resources. And sometimes it means us, those of us who have some level of power, using our power to bring, uh, to establish a more heavenly norm or pattern on earth. Cornell West puts it this way, justice is what love looks like in public. Justice is what love looks like. Justice and love are interconnected. But justice is what love looks like in public. In Matthew chapter six, and we've all obviously said this 
the Lord's Prayer probably thousands of times. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, we're supposed to pray, not God help me just to get to heaven after I die, but to really pray for God's kingdom to come and God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, in heaven, we're not going to have racially segregated fellowship, right? We're not going to have class segregated fellowship. We're going to be truly united. And that's what we're supposed to be praying for. We're supposed to be praying for the gospel to be made real here on this earth, that, that those who are oppressed, the downtrodden, will be freed from oppressors. The, those who are poor will receive dignity and, and love. Um, that we're supposed to be praying for God's kingdom to come, this heavenly society, this unified body of Christ, to come to earth uh, and God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, you know, just thinking about this, you know, and you might want to think about words that come to mind. When you think about God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven, what, or if God's kingdom came to earth, what are some adjectives uh, that you could use to describe what this kingdom uh, would look like? But I really believe, you know, I know this is a, a, a group of people who are, you know, very committed to their faith, committed to contemplative practice. We need, our society needs contemplatives, deeply formed people who love justice, who care about justice, who care about protecting the weak, that it's, it's, it's a beyond a call just to be individually spirit-filled, but be spirit-filled with a purpose to bring about the kingdom on earth uh, as it is in heaven. And you could, uh, you know, take a look at the chat about one of the next course of Race Literacy 101. Uh, littlelights.org is our, also our website. We have opportunities to volunteer both in person as well as virtually, um, just to find out more about the organization. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to have you continue to just think about these things, continue about God's heart for justice. Um, and yeah, I mean, one thing I really believe is that our society needs deeply spiritually formed people who love justice to minister to this world. Our world is so broken, but our church is also in disrepair and is broken. And, uh, and that we really have to serve as the conscience of our society. Um, and that we really need to pray that God would grant us the integrity and authenticity and the sanctification so that we can, again, we can restore a sense of moral authority uh, as a voice in our society, as a church. So, you know, thanks for your time and thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening to For the Journey. We hope you'll join us again next week. And in the meantime, you can explore past episodes and see what we're up to at inthecoracle.org and on social media at inthecoracle. If you were blessed by what you just heard, please subscribe as we'll be releasing new episodes each week. Please also feel free to rate and review the show and share this episode around with others who might be blessed by it. For the Journey is made possible by the generous support of our Coracle partners, the wonderful men and women who choose to support this ministry through their prayers and financial gifts. If you're one of our partners and are listening, we are so grateful for you. 
If you would like to join us as a sustaining partner, you can set up a monthly donation of any amount at inthecoracle.org support. The link is in the show notes. Our growing community of partners gets access to tailor-made resources, gifts, and events, and we would love for you to be a part of that. Our theme song is Mystery Hymn from our friends at Lowland Hum. Please give them a listen wherever you get your music. And so, friends, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen, and we will see you on the journey. Hallelujah.